Good to see you guys here today. It's Easter. How many guys were at the sunrise service? All right. You all get to live in the good neighborhood in heaven, just so you know. The rest of us, we want to come visit and swim in your pool. It's going to be awesome. Right, the Hubbard's here this morning. They're going to be here today. It's your last Sunday before they take off. But I wasn't sure it was this service or the next, but be praying for Caleb and Corey. They're on their way to fulfill their missionary calling in Tibet. Today is their last Sunday. They'll be getting on a plane and taking off. My family and I will be getting on a plane and taking off as well to... Charleston, South Carolina for vacation, but it's similar in the sense that we're both getting on planes. Um, how many of you guys know that sometimes, sometimes it feels like something that's being said to you is too good to be true? And, and, and in that, you kind of stop, like it's a party that goes, wait, 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 like, like let's say this, let's say your friend is 10 minutes late, pressing the button, and nothing's happening, guys, I'm pressing the button. Last week, was it two weeks ago? I was doing something, and they said, oh, you, Pastor Jim got really mad. I was like, I'm, I never get really mad. I made some joke about, uh, oh, now it's gone away. I made some joke about, uh, what was it, the, the, oh, you're all fire. Let's, let's thank them. This is their last Sunday before they go to look for a new job or something. I was just kidding, by the way. So they, they came to me and said, yeah, but they don't know that you and I have this horrible relationship where we chew on each other for fun. So, okay, I, but I got it back. We good? All right, so let's say this. A guy shows up is a friend of yours, you're going to have lunch, and he's, and he's 10 minutes later, she's 10 minutes late, and you said, why are you late? And this is their answer. Well, I've got this Nigerian oil princess that's sending me money, and I had to work out some details with her. How many of you guys know that the first thing you say is, ah, uh, what? You're like, that, no, 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 that's a con. Well, why? Well, because it's Nigerian oil princess, this is a known con. How many of you guys know, but somewhere in the world, there probably is a Nigerian oil princess who has no friends, Right? <laughs> Shows up 10 minutes late. Why are you late? And they say, well, Ed McMahon showed up at my house with a giant check from Publishers Clearinghouse. And so I had to get the check and take the pictures. Now, for those of you that are 30 and under, Ed McMahon was Johnny Carson's right-hand guy. Johnny Carson was the guy that used to have the Tonight Show. And now that was Jay Leno. And now it's Conan O'Brien? No, I don't know. I go to sleep at 930. I get up after 10 to go to the bathroom. That's about it, right? So why are you late? Well, I'm late because this great thing happened. And if you were their friend, you say, wait, wait, wait. Did you really win? Like, like that's too good to be, right? So why are you late? Third one, why are you late? Well, I forgot to take my pill that I bought that, I, that, I, that will make me my ideal weight 90 days without changing any other habit. You guys are like, oh, sweetie. Oh, oh, no. May the spirit of stupid come off of you, right? You're... That's not true. It's, it's, well, why is it not true? It's too good to be true. It's just Ed McMahon or winning the lottery or Nigerian oil princess or a pill that makes you become your ideal weight. I could sell you a pill that makes you become your ideal weight, but you'll be disappointed when you find out it's the current weight that you are right now. But it's just too good. It's too good to be true. But have you ever noticed that no one has ever said to you it's too bad to be true? 10 minutes late. Somebody shows up 10 minutes late. Why are you late? Man, I, I just got into a, like a head-on collision. Uh, I, I'm still seeing stars. I'm dizzy. You wouldn't go, no, that's too bad to be true. You'd be like, dude, are you okay? Unless it's a girl. They'd be like, dude, Ed, are you okay? Yeah, yeah, I just, you know, I got into a car wreck. So, you know, 10 minutes late. Why are you late? Man, I, I, my doctor called, and the test results came back, and they, they think I have cancer. You'd be like, no. Why? Well, it's just too bad to be true. I mean, I know there's some things that are too good to be true, but not too bad to be true. Why are you 10 minutes late? Now, I, I was on my way to meet you, but I thought I got to swing by and pick up some from the house, and there was a car in the driveway I hadn't seen before, and I, I found that my marriage is over with. You wouldn't go, you're kidding. That's not funny. You say, oh, man, I'm so sorry. Why? 
Because our heart is conditioned that when we hear really, really, really good news, to go, that's too good to be. But if we hear something really, really bad, we go, oh, I'm so. Well, today I've got some news for you. And it's going to be such good news in some ways that I think the temptation is going to be like, that, that can't be true. Oh, why? It just, it can't be true. But I've got some bad news for you. You'll be like, yeah, amen to that. I, I see that. I know this. Let's, let's start with the good news. You ready? Here's the, here's the really, really good news. Good news number one. God is real. God's real. Well, I don't know about that. I've never personally experienced him. I, I know, but you've never personally experienced your own brain. But I believe it's there. How about you? Right? I, I don't really know where the wind comes from or where it goes, what causes the tides and how microscopic organisms and viruses and good things. I don't understand a lot of things, but just because I don't understand them doesn't make it untrue. God is real. Here's some more really good news. He loves everybody, including you. So whether or not you believe the first part of the good news, it's all true. There is a God. He's really, really good. And he really loves you. And you may say, well, you know, that's, if that's true, then why so many hard things have happened? And I think I'd agree with that. I think it's a valid question. I think we have to be very careful with our faith not to go, well, that's not really true. The bad things aren't true. I mean, guys know the bad things are true. But th- that doesn't make the good things not true. Like, the question about if God is good and he's real and he loves me and, and specifically me, then why are so many things happening around me or in the world that I live in that aren't true? But I, I would say my greatest question is why are so many good things happening? Like, like, if this is all an accident and I have no purpose and there is no creator, then, then why can I appreciate beauty when it serves no fundamental evolutionary purpose? Why can I look at a sunset and go, dang, Look at a sunrise and go, why am I awake? <laughs> Look at a piece of art and go, I couldn't do that. That's beautiful. Here's some music that's being played and go, wow, there's something inside of that music that resonates with something inside of me. Why, why would I be given this ability to see and feel and engage with beauty? What about joy? Like if, if, if there is no God or God's not good, there is a God, but he's not good, then why would he give me the ability to feel joy? This morning, something wonderful happened. A miracle walked up to me. She's two years old. Her name's Francine. And if you ask her her name, she'll say, my name's Sini Beanie. How old are you? She'll say, two. And she walked up and she looked me in the eye and she said, Papa, I'm her grandpa. And I picked her up and I thought, man, a lot of good things are going to happen today. I doubt many things will compete with this because she's the joy of my life. My grandson, he just went, ah, ah, ah. okay, that, there's a little joy in that. But he was, he was chasing... One of the pastor's kids. You know how pastor's kids are. It's just the way it was, right? What about love? Like, what, 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 what would the purpose be? And why would we even evolve to love when love usually gives at the expense of self? Like, like if a grenade suddenly was thrown in the middle of the room and someone loves somebody else enough to jump on it, that, that's kind of hard to propagate a species off of people that die for other people. So why would we love? The first thing I ever said to my child, my son, born in my arms, they said, here, do you want him? I said, no, he's covered in goo and she's dying and I didn't know what to do. And so they took Josh out of the room. They went away. About two hours later, I woke up and like, I got to go be a dad. I got to figure this out. And I stumbled down. This lady, she was a nurse and she had cancer. She'd been through chemo. She had a bandana on her head and she was the night shift nurse and she loved her job. She didn't need to work. She had plenty of money, but she loved the moment that she was about to share with me. I said, I just walked in. I started crying. I was, I'm exhausted. I said, I, I don't know hold my own baby. I'm the worst father. How many guys know it only took two hours for me to believe I was the worst father ever? I I thought it. I suspected it, but I proved it in the first two minutes of his life. Like, no, take him away. It's not my child. She needs me. And they bought it and they took him away. 
One night sat me in the room and she put this baby in my arms and gave me the bottle and wrapped him all up and said, okay, I'll leave the two of you alone. As I you know, was kind of stuffing his face, he opened his eyes, he looked at me. And these are the first words I ever said to him. I said, and this is weird. First words I ever said to my son was, I'd die for you. How many of you know the first words that a father should say? is like, eggy woogie boogie dicky woogie. <laughs> no, it's like, listen, bullet comes in, it's mine. It's on me. I'm your dad. Love, where would that come from? I, and, and I've already said it, but, but if you don't believe in God, then someone please explain to me grandchildren. If God's not good and God's not just, and we're not being rewarded for, for not killing our children when they were 16, come on. I just, I, I find so much evidence of things that make no sense scientifically, that make no sense biologically, that make no sense anthropologically, unless there's someone behind it that said, this is joy, and this is love, and this is peace, and this is Francine, and this is Hollis. I, if, if there wasn't love, then the marriage just wouldn't work, because there are times when my wife doesn't behave properly according to me. And th- it's very rare, but there are times I don't behave properly according to her. One of the advantages of being this good-looking and humble is perfection in all relational matters, right? I'm just simply saying this, guys. Like, there, it doesn't make sense. But I think people say, well, hey, that's nice that you got grandkids and you appreciate beauty, but my life is hell. I don't have grandkids because the person I was in love with blew up my family. And now I'm all alone trying to figure out how to raise these kids or trying to figure out how to build my life back again. But, but please hear me. The person who lives in the desert hasn't proven there's no such thing as rain, They've just proven that it, in this season or in this place, rain doesn't fall. Does that make sense? The experience of pain does not negate the existence of God. I think people ask a very valid question, and if there is a God and he's good, then why is there so much pain? Why is there so much death? Why is there so much injustice? Why is there so much tragedy? Why did it take 10 years for Michigan to beat Ohio State? You know? But we did it. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I think that's a valid question and deserves a valid answer. But remember, we had good news. There's also bad news. And, and even though the good news may be hard to believe and the bad news might be easier, I think sometimes if you don't believe the bad news, the good news isn't really that good. So there is bad news. Here's the bad news, right? There's a devil. And he's real. And, and he hates everybody, including you. He hates your guts. His only source of fulfillment is to tell a lie in such a way that we believe it and behave in such a way that breaks God's heart. The only thing that makes him feel a sense of, of living at all is vengeance. It's, it's pain. It's, it's uh, brokenness. The devil can't hurt God. God's bulletproof. But we're not. And so if the devil can find a way to get us to agree with him and cause us to harm each other, to harm ourselves, or, or to harm the reputation of Christ, that's, that's the only thing that makes him get up in the morning. There is a devil. Um, and you say, well, I, if God's so good, then why is there so much pain? Listen, the, the presence of evil doesn't negate the presence of good. It just validates the Bible's narrative that there is a God and, come on, there is a devil. So you look at what's happening in Ukraine right now where the Russian army pulls out and they find 900 people in mass graves. Like, there was a God. He just stopped that. Wait, wait, wait. God has to give us free will so that we can choose. We're not robots. God didn't create a bunch of machines. God created sons and daughters. And then he made himself gloriously noticeable in everything that he created, in the joy that we can feel, the beauty that we can experience, the love that we can enjoy. And he said, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And then the devil says, no, he's not. 
And if we choose to believe one voice over the other, we lead to our own demise, our own death, our own destruction. And people, man, I hate to say this, guys, but people have a free will. But by a show of hands, has anyone ever, ever, ever lied to you? Let me, let me see if someone's lied to you. Okay. And if you didn't raise your hand, you know what you just did? You just lied to me. And you did it in church on Easter Sunday. So shame off you. I'll live in with that one. John 10.10, 10, I think, says it all. It was the thief, the devil, he comes to steal. He comes to kill. He comes to destroy. Jesus said, I've come that I might have life and have it to the full. So it's almost like we're standing at the intersection of our free will and there's a way to go and there's a way not to go. And they're both saying, come this way, come this way. And we make decisions about that. We'd all have to admit that the world's in a mess. Would you agree with that? If you don't agree with that, then you don't have social media. One of the least social things ever created by mankind, right? I know everybody loves social media but me and I say it every week, but I'm old. So there you go. What I see God doing in people's lives is people that have nothing in common but Jesus coming together. And I see those issues that tear them apart and it breaks my heart because I know that God said, I, I sent Jesus to make them one and everybody's trying to make them multiples. And I just say this, guys, we would all have to admit that the world is, is, in, a, is in a place. How many of you guys are old enough to remember the song, Jesus, Take the Wheel? How many of you guys think someone should create a song called Jesus, Pull the Car Over and Start Beating Some of Your Kids with a Flip-Flop? Carrie Underwood, get on that, would you? So there's a mess in my life. There's a mess, if we'd be honest, in all of our lives and put us all together and there's a mess. And someone's gonna have to pay for this mess. If we rented a hotel, it was not ours, but we were stewards of it for a, a day. We're gonna go rent a home in Charleston tomorrow. And, and I have two grandkids, so I got the insurance waiver <laughs> just in case Hollis puts Francine in the light socket. You know what I mean? Just in case something gets tipped over or spilled on or broken, they, they can do about $1,500 worth of damage before it costs Papa any more money. And all God's people said, amen, right? But, but at some point, if I damage what is not mine, I'm responsible for the damage that I've created. Does that make sense? But you're not mine and I've damaged you. I'm not yours, and you've damaged me, and we're not each other's, but we've damaged one another. This world is not ours, and we've done terrible damage to it. Culture, society, justice, love, mercy, we've done terrible, terrible injustices to those things. We've raised money for the wrong reasons. We've imprisoned innocent people. We've done all sorts of terrible, terrible things, and I want to know who's going to pay for this. Romans chapter 3, verse 3 says, all have sinned. Well, I haven't sinned. I'm a good person. I'm a this. But I could find somebody else on social media and say, this is what the person stands for. This is what the person does. This is their habits. And I'll find you 10 people in 10 seconds to think you're an idiot. Who has even the right to decide what's right? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everybody's missed the mark. Everybody's fallen short. Romans 6, 23, Paul comes back to that thought. He says, and there's a wage. There's a, there's a cost. There's a paycheck that's associated with this behavior. The wages of sin is, anybody? It's death. And death is not like the opposite of life. In this sense, it's the absence of it. That I, I know my soul's alive, and so do you. I know my soul is asleep, and so do you. I know when I'm going through motions and repetitions and vain things, and I, I got whatever I always wanted, and it's nothing. I, mean, I just remember turning 18 years old, and you thought it was going to be a big deal. Yesterday, I was 17 years, 364 days, and today I'm 18, and nothing's really changed. A lot of life is like that. I finally reached this goal. I finally paid off this. I finally succeeded that. I finally had a deployment for those. And, and, and when it's all done, you kind of end up going, I don't really, I still feel like me. There's a wage. It's the absence of life. But there's also a gift from God. So where does this gift come from? Romans chapter 5. I love this verse. You see, at just the right time. When, when did we do this? At just the, just the right time. 
At just the right time, when we were still powerless, we had no ability to change who we are, what we did, connecting with each other, love, forgiveness, all foreign to us. Jesus Christ died for who? The ungodly. Now, very rarely will someone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still what? Ohio State fans. While we were still rooting for the wrong team, man. We were still on the wrong side. Before we made a right decision, before we walked in justice, mercy, truth, while we were still just an example of punishment, an example of wrath, an example of stupidity and foolishness, while we were still on the wrong side of everything God stands for, he sends Jesus to pay that for us. From the beginning of time, guys, kings have been sending our sons to die in battles to preserve the kingdom, but this king sends his son to protect his children. I love that. From the beginning of time, I learned this years ago. If you've ever been to a funeral, I usually share this, this story. But I, I, I was an atheist growing up. And uh, I had a couple of God experiences, but nothing really stuck. And I had a, a logical, um, biological argument uh, that kind of led me away from anything with faith. How many of you guys know that if it fits into a test tube and it turns blue every time, that's empirical science, that's good. But faith isn't science, it's belief, it's something else. And so I really had a hard time getting my mind around the thought that, that I could believe in a God that I'd never see this side of death. I'd never hear audibly this side of death. I'd never be able to touch. All my senses would, would not be engaged in the, in the practice of actually engaging him, but you have to believe in him or you're going to hell or something. So I, I just turned away from that and said, that sounds dumb, and I'm not dumb. I, I get terrible grades, but that doesn't mean I'm unintelligent. It just means I'm really lazy. Can I get a witness? Come on. It's not my fault. The teachers did it wrong, probably. Yeah, right. Okay. So I remember a Christian saying to me, hey, uh, what do you think about God? And I said, I, I don't think there is one. I, matter of fact, I've concluded that there's not. Thank you. I'm 15. I know everything. And uh, she said, well, what do you do with the Bible? I said, well, I've never read the Bible. I'll never forget it. She said, she goes, well, you speak pretty powerfully for a person who's walking in complete ignorance. How many of you guys know you can say a lot of things to a 15-year-old boy, but ignorance ain't one of them. So my pride said, give me that book. So what I did is I got into that book, and, and when I got into that book, I remember, I'm in high school, I got a 1.8 GPA, sister graduates, Sigma Cum Laude, Jimmy graduates, oh, thank you, Lottie. By the mercy of God, I might get out of school someday. So I opened it up about three-quarters of the way through the book, because that's how you pass a test. Listen, if you're a terrible student, just open the book three-quarters of the way through. That's where the tension exists, the tension's resolved, you learn everybody's names, and you can pass the test with a C-. minus. All the parents are like, Jim, shut up. We don't want them to be like you, be like us. So I got there, and here's this woman, and I see that for the first time she's caught in the act of adultery. Now, I don't know anything, but I've been cheated on. I know how bad that hurts. And I know enough Christians to know that as they are baptized in lemon juice and judgment, that this chick's about to get it. Jesus walks up, and the Pharisees go, okay, she was caught in the act of adultery. The Bible says that such a person should be stoned. And I thought, well, that sounds good. Remember where I was? Until dead. I thought, I don't know how much you'd have to smoke to do that, but okay, it makes sense, right? Someone had to explain to me that meant throwing rocks at the person until they were dead. Rocks at their skull, at their legs, at their face, until they no longer, they're buried underneath this, this bloody, fleshy lump that used to be a human being. So Jesus, what do you say? And Jesus, I, I love this. He writes some stuff in the sand, but he stands up and he says, he who is without sin cast the first stone. Now what I thought he was gonna say was, yeah, yeah, she's toast. And the ground would open up, flames would come out, she'd be thrown into there, the ground would close back up again, and everybody would go back to lying about their virginity. But that wasn't the case. He forgave her. I thought, 
That's not the Christianity I've heard of as an atheist. So I flipped a little bit farther in the book and I see Jesus on a cross surrounded by two thieves. And one of the thieves is mocking him and saying, you're not real and I don't trust you. And he's screaming his pain. And the other one simply says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember me today when you come here. Just remember. That's all I'm asking. I, I have no right to ask for anything. I just, I just don't want to be forgotten. So what do you say? And Jesus says, this day you'll be with me in paradise. Now here's the problem. What I know of Christianity is Christians, there's something that we do that's good. There's something we do that's bad. Finish my sentence. Good people go to heaven and bad people go to politics. I'm, I'm sorry, hell. But you know that's not true? There are no good people in heaven. If, if salvation could be earned, then the law would have been sufficient and Jesus would have never had to have died. But we, we couldn't be good. There's no good people in heaven. You know who's in heaven? Forgiven people. Rescued people. Redeemed people. Saved people. People that, people that couldn't do it by themselves, but they cried out and God said, come on, come on home. And now Jesus has defeated death, hell, and the grave. And that's a beautiful view. Easter Sunday morning, a couple thousand years ago, that was similar to the view that you would have experienced if you were standing in the tomb where the dead man was laid Friday. Sunday morning, it's empty. And it's a brand new day. It's a brand new world. It's a brand new covenant. It's a, it's a brand new relationship. It's no longer cows and calves and lambs and blood and priests and temples. Now it's God and men. We get to be together in relationship to this covenant. You say, that's too good to be true. But I'm telling you what, just because you never won Publishers Clearinghouse doesn't mean Ed McMahon's a myth. Everybody over 50 is like, amen. Everybody 30 is like, I still don't know who this is. Does he play for Cleveland? <laughs> just because you've never won the lottery doesn't mean somebody's not winning the lottery next week. Don't play the lottery, it's stupid. But you know what I'm talking about, right? Just because it hasn't happened to you doesn't mean it hasn't happened. Just because you've never met somebody doesn't mean they don't exist. Just because something wonderful, good, gracious, beautiful, loving hasn't come your way doesn't mean there's no such thing as love and beauty and graciousness. Worship team's gonna join me again if you would, please. I just wanna say this to you guys. You have every right, and I'll go so far as to say you have a responsibility to choose who you're gonna trust. And I don't blame if you don't trust me. You don't know me. You can trust somebody and not trust somebody, but you have, a, you, have a, you have a right to choose who you're gonna trust and you have a responsibility to do it well. Somebody say amen. It's no joke, man. Who you get in a relationship with is a lot. You have every right. Matter of fact, you have a responsibility to choose what kind of person you're going to be. You have a right and you have a responsibility to figure those things out. What will set the course of your life? What will be the bedrock of, your, of the life that you build? What, what is that? And who decided it? And do you agree with it? Who do you trust? Whose words, whose laws, whose relationship do you trust? And if you choose Jesus, hear this, then, you, then who you were will become who you were created to be. I, I just want to say this to you because I think some people, I, and I, I don't mean this to be silly, I don't mean this to be mean, but it's kind of silly and it's kind of mean, but I'm not being those things. Some of you, last time you are in the room, there were Christmas trees on either side, am I right? Like, oh, you guys got rid of the trees. It's like, well, it's not Christmas anymore, right? Next time you come back, there'll be trees up again. But, but I, I'm just trying to say this. It's not like how often you go to church. Um, it, it's, it's this other part of this that we focus so often on salvation, and Dan Abel, who's a good friend and a deacon and a brother, you know, Dan and I have this, this friendship. And all of a sudden, Dan, you know, comes to know Jesus. He, he, he says a prayer, God, if you're real, come into my life, come into my heart. And he, and he knows burdens are lifted, everything's good. Can I tell you, how many of you guys know that's a great miracle? 
Jesus calls it being born again. Paul says, if any man be in Christ, then Dan's a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, all things have become new, right? But, but here's the problem. That new, innocent, clean, good, forgiven person still had a life to live. And it was the sin. It was the lies. It was the, the pride. It was the, the, the fear. It was the hurt that kept them from living that. Well, now Jesus has walked in. What I'm trying to say is this. Being born again is the beginning of a journey, not the end of it. And I think so often we've we've fallen a little bit short on Easter. I've fallen a little bit short. This is my 28th Easter sermon serving this church as its pastor. And I don't think I've ever said what I'm about to say to you now. Jesus' cross, his life, his death, and his resurrection was not just about getting you forgiven. It was not just about getting you to heaven. It was about releasing you to become the person who can release heaven on earth. See, it's our turn to love. It's, it's our turn to forgive. It's our turn to go. It's our turn to give. It's our turn to pray. It's our turn to lay hands. It's, it's our turn to, to have grace. It's our turn to be wise. It's our turn. Everything God created you to be has not been forgotten by your creator. If we could just deal with sin, just deal with the mess, just pay the bill for the room that we destroyed, the property that wasn't ours, that we, that we, we utterly defeated and destroyed. If we can do that, then on the other side of that, God has a life for all of us to live. Any Christianity that tells you what to do and what not to do, but never tells you who you are is failing you. I'm here to tell you this. When you give your life to Jesus, you are an adopted son, an adopted daughter of the Most High God. And there are rights and there are responsibilities. You say, oh, Pastor Jim, I, I've heard this before. Like, I'm supposed to pray for the sick and then they're supposed to cover. But, but when I've prayed for the sick, they've died anyway. Like, what, what am I supposed to do with that? Listen. Just because I don't know how to write a check doesn't mean there hasn't been a deposit in my account. There's a lot of things I'm still learning. Anybody else? Like in my 50s, I'm not learning how to run. I'm learning how to get back up off the ground once I sit on the ground. How many guys know that if you sit next to furniture, you can use furniture to help you back up again? And if you don't, then you press the little button and life alert people come. It's very nice. There's a lot of things we're going to learn and grow in, but, but this is the thing. It starts with knowing that you're loved. It starts with His mercy. It starts with that joy of being his. It starts with the beauty of the sacrifice that he made. And today, if you make that decision, we get to meet you for the first time. Not the you you were, but the you you were created to be. Because it's by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's not something of the works of man. Nobody can boast about this. It's the gift of God. It's the grace of God that saves us. For you are Christ's workmanship, his handiwork, his poema, his masterpiece. And you're created in Christ Jesus to do what? Come on. Good works, man. You're here to bring heaven, not complain about hell. You're here to inject light, not stand back and point out darkness. You're here to put salt on it because it is so bland and repetitive and useless. And you're here to season it up and make it what Jesus wants it to be. Come on, somebody say amen. And if you don't choose Jesus, honestly, there's two things that I'll be sad about. One is that you'll miss heaven. But the other thing is you'll miss you. I'll miss you. We'll miss you. If you have a purpose in this life, and I believe you do, you are prepared for such a time as this to be who you are and to have the experience you've been through, the education, the friendships, the hurts, the mentors and the tormentors have done their job in forming who you are. And now it's time for you to know God and to be released as God's child on this earth. There's so much more than just being forgiven. There's being forgiving. So much more than being loved. There's learning how to love others. There's so much more than receiving generously. There's learning how to give generously. So much more than trusting 
being trusted. It just, there's this life and it's so beautiful and I want it for you. Let me close with this final thought. The last words of Jesus on the cross was, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. The last thing Jesus said is the phrase tatalestai. It's funny, we, we actually called her Easter service several years ago, tatalestai, because it was such a powerful phrase. And at the Seder dinner Friday night, someone walked up and said, hey, remember that program we did, tatalestai? I said, yeah. She goes, look at this. She has a Hebrew tattoo across her, her arm and, and it, it's the, the Hebrew phrase for the Greek phrase tatalestai. It just means ransomed, paid for. She says, I, ever since that sermon, I've, I've, and it's not where I can see it, it's where people can see it when I hand them money or shake their hand or give them a hug. They can see that I've been ransomed. And they say, what is that? A, you know, is that a birthmark? Is that, you know, what is that? Because it's, it's a Hebrew word. And they say, what's it say? Because it says ransomed. I was sold into sin. I was sold into slavery and someone paid for me. That scroll up there is a, obviously an Old Testament scroll, but I, it illustrates this, that when someone was, was um, in debt and they couldn't repay their debtors, it was very serious. Uh, it was taken very serious by the culture. Matter of fact, it was, it was an imprisonable fine uh, or crime. If you were someone who didn't, I borrowed 10 bucks, I didn't pay it back. And you came and said, hey, pay it back. And no, and you, your patience ran out. You could go to the, the debtor's prison. You could formally charge me with my signature on a piece of paper like that on a scroll. And I'd say, Jim borrowed $10 on this date. So they pay it back by that date. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't. He's overdue. And then I can be imprisoned until such a time as I can come up with that money to pay you back. If... Sometimes this prison became over full. Uh, it was a terrible place. It had windows so people could like give you food through it. But how many guys know that if someone's visiting me and bringing me food, but I'm not the strongest person in the jail, then someone stronger than me is going to take my food. Someone hands me a loaf of bread. Someone, that's mine, punk, and it's, it's theirs. There's nothing I can do about it. And so there were gangs that formed inside the jail. It was just people would starve to death. And, and how do you raise the money when you're in prison and you can't work. If I couldn't raise it when I was out working, how can I raise it now? There's, I'm, I'm in a powerless, helpless, either someone comes to rescue me or I'm never going to get out of this jail. I'm going to die here of starvation and depravity in, the, in this horrible environment. God, help me. And every once in a while, for some unknown reason, culture, history tells us that a man would come down to the jail, a leader, uh, a servant, it, it could be a slave. It could be someone who was great or someone that was small. But in their life, they had this, this merciful expression for someone. And they come down and they tell the jailer, show me the scrolls. Show me, show me who owes what to whom. Tell, show me how much money it is and how long it's been owed. Who's been here the longest? Who just got here? Who has a family with 12 kids? And they would ask these questions. And the jailer would say, well, let me just look through the scrolls. And he'd find something like this. And he'd say, okay, Jim's been here. And Jim, he came in at 200 pounds. He's down to 100 pounds now. He's never looked better. But he ain't going to make it much longer. His bones are starting to stick out. His eyes are starting to recess. He's lost that spark of life in him. I don't think he's going to make it. So how much does Jim owe? Well, Jim owes $10. He's been here how long? Been here six months. And he owes $10? Yeah. And no one's paid this? No one. So he would reach into his own pocket and he'd pull out his own money and he would hand it to the jailer and he said, I hereby now and henceforth pay for Jim's debt. And he would take that money and he would pay the jailer. The jailer's not responsible to pay it off. But what the jailer got to do is he got to take a, a, a feather pen, he'd dip it in the ink, and he would write across the debts. Anybody know what he'd write across the debts? It is finished. Tata Lestai. Across every debt, that ink had to go from the beginning of the debt, as big as he had to write it. Didn't matter if the debt was a whole scroll. He had to write it in big letters all the way across until Tata Lestai reached every border of that debt. So you can say Jesus said it's finished. That's true. But, but maybe a more culturally relevant translation of that would be paid in 
Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? Father, I stop in the middle of this time or towards the end of this time, God, because I believe we have scrolls that have words and numbers and things on them. And there's not somebody merciful coming to our jail. No man can rescue me because every man I know is is just as fallen as every man I know. 2,000 years ago, there was a man. The Word took on flesh. He dwelt among us. He lived a perfect life. He died a substitutionary death on the cross. And on the third day, a day just like today, he rose from the dead. The pen is in his hand. The price has been paid. All we lack now is for someone to say, please, please help me. Please do what I could never do for myself. I love counselors, but they could never do this for me. I love pastors and doctors and surgeons and chiropractors, but this is, this is an inner work. You can adjust my back, but you can't adjust my attitude. That's Something else has to happen. Something outside of me has to affect me and make me something I've never been before, and that's free, alive, loved, cherished, forgiven, blessed, at peace. With every head bowed and every eye closed, before we leave here, we're going to go back to one last song and celebrate what God's about to do. And believers are praying all over this room right now. If you're here, you're like, Jim, I need, I need Jesus to dip that pen in the ink one more time. I need him to write it across the depths of my life. I've had some bad things happen. I've been mad at God about it, but it doesn't disprove his goodness. It just proves how evil the devil is. It, 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 it aligns with the biblical narrative about good and evil and heaven and hell. And I'm stuck in the middle of these two forces. Today, I'm choosing sides. Today, I stand at the intersection and I ask God, I ask God to forgive me. I'm not going to be the angry thief that just yells and from his pain dies. I'm going to be the one that cries out in mercy just as God, help. I need your help. I need your help. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm going to count to three all over this room today. And you're like, Sam, I'm today, today. I'm asking God today. I'm asking, I'm not asking you to join this church. I'm asking you to come to a Bible study. I'm asking you to shave your head, grab a tambourine and a snake and go to the airport. Understand what we're doing here. You are talking to God and you're doing this acknowledgement before him by raising your hand. You're saying, God, here I am. It's good for you. I wouldn't do it. I promise you, it's good for you. It's an important part. The noun of your faith becoming the verb of your action is very important for your soul. So right here, I'm going to count to three. Today, today I give my life to Jesus. Today, today, he's going to write that across my sins. Today, I don't, I'm not going to be good enough, but I can be forgiven enough. Today, I want a fresh start, a clean slate, a new beginning. I want to find out who God made me to be because I don't think I know that yet. I'm, I'm like Bono, man. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. But today, I think, today I believe, today I trust. It begins here and now with Jesus. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand when I come to three. One, no hesitation. No, it doesn't matter what the person next to you thinks. It matters what God thinks. Two, Today's the day I give my life to Jesus. That's you. Raise your hand right now. All over this room. Hands are going up. I love that. I love that. My favorite part of Easter is seeing the fruit of a resurrection. The new beginning, the clean slate, the fresh start. I love that. I love you. Put them right back down again. I don't, that was for you. Today's my day, though, man. Today's my day. I've been playing games up to now, playing church up to now, even playing Christian up to now. I, whatever. I, I might have not been playing any of those games. I just, I realize my eyes are open. The enemy thought he had me, but this morning Jesus says, you're mine. Come on. The enemy thought he had me, but today Jesus says, nope, nope, that one right there. That one's mine. That one's mine. So Father, hands have gone up, hearts have been opened. Now in this room, would you just follow me in a simple prayer? 
This prayer is not like the magic prayer. You say these words just right and with gusto. It isn't. But sometimes we don't know what to say to God. And so maybe this will help kind of bumpstart your Volkswagen and, and get you going down the road. And, and if you have words you want to say to God, then say them. You don't, you don't need my words. He really wants to hear from you. So this doesn't express your heart. Don't worry about it. But to create an environment where people would feel, you know, that they're not alone and they're not alone. There's dozens of people that have asked for this today. And I believe God's about to do it if he hasn't already, right? But just say this with me. Would you pray this with me? Whether you're saying this for the first time, you're encouraging the people around you. We just pray this prayer with me right now. Say this with me. Jesus. Come on, say it with me. Jesus. I was wrong. And you were right. So from now on, We'll just do this your way. Forgive me. Wipe away my yesterdays. Birth my tomorrows. From this day forward, I belong to you. You belong to me. The enemy thought he had me. But you say I belong to you. I am yours. Today and for all time. Will you stand to your feet, all of this room? Now, I'll say this to you just before we worship. We've been learning how to worship together because we've been apart from each other for two years. And I, I, this is not me being a cheerleader or whatever. But man, if Jesus just forgave your sins, it's time to learn how to worship him. It's time to be okay being a little sloppy agape, you know? The word hallelujah, have you heard the word hallelujah? Hallel actually means insanity. Insanity towards God. It's just like, yeah! Now, I'm not saying act nuts. I'm just saying if you do... We'll probably make a pastor out of you at some point. You know what I mean? Get you up on the stage leading worship. But if you've been forgiven today, how many guys have had your sins forgiven? Can I see your hands? My sins have been forgiven. Then we got a song to sing. The devil has lost. Jesus has won. He is risen and we are alive, filled with the Spirit.